Morning. How are you all doing this morning? Great. Four or five of you are doing super good. That's good to know that. Well, I'm excited this morning to, uh, to come together again as, as the family of God as we open up the Word of God today. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1 again this morning. Romans chapter 1, we're going to start in verses 18 and, and we'll finish through the end of the chapter here today. I hope we get through that. So I'm going to open up in prayer today. If you all would, bow your heads with me. Father God, Lord, we come to you today, and Lord, I just ask for your help this morning. Um, Lord, you know that, uh, Father, you tell us your Holy Spirit is the teacher. And uh, Lord, this morning as we come to your word, we know that it's absolute truth, and we, we have uh, the foundation of the truth of the word of God to anchor our lives to. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word transcends time that, Lord, although what we're going to look at today was written in the first century, Lord, it is very applicable to where we find ourselves here in 2017 this morning. And, Father, we can find answers, Lord, even today um, in the society in which we live, in the worlds in which we live in today. We thank you, Lord, for that. And, uh, Father, we, we just come to you today. I'm asking, Father, that, you would, uh, that your will would be done. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this amazing gospel that you've called us to love people, that you've called us, Lord, to share the good news of the gospel. And, uh, Lord, we want to thank you for making us aware and, uh, Lord, for allowing us to be forgiven and adopted into your own family today, Father, as Christian men and women, boys and girls that are all gathered here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, as I approach this passage of Scripture this week... Um, I was reminded of a cow story, and it's amazing to me how God gives us sermon illustrations in many ways, but for me, sometimes they're given with four hooves and wrapped in cowhide. And uh, several years ago, actually about five years ago or so, I bought a set of F1 tiger stripe cows, young heifers actually, and, and was breeding those heifers, and I'd bought those heifers and turned them out on several hundred acres and, and uh, went back to check them the next day and realized that I was short, all of them. And uh, they had found a weak area in the fence and had made their way out of that pasture. For any of you that know anything about tiger stripe cattle, um, they're, they're really docile, not in fact, they're the most human-like cows I've ever been around in my life. I, I pretty much think they can reason, plot, plan, communicate. Uh, they're one up on you every time. Anyway, the, the property surrounding the place where I had turned these cattle out was, was really uninhabited, and it was full of timber, brush, briars, and nastiness. And as I began to track kind of where these cattle went, we got into some stuff that was so thick that you couldn't ride a miniature pony through it. And uh, we required that we walked. And as I approached this passage of Scripture this week, it reminded me of us trying to get in there and find these cattle. And, and uh, you know, I told you as we embarked in Romans, it was going to be, we were going to basically just, just, be, just be moving slowly here. 
And to be honest with you, there's, there's, there's certain passages we come up to sometimes and we peer over the edge and we look down in the draw and we say, well, I don't see anything from here. Let's go to the next place. But like I said earlier, we're going to prowl through the pages of Rome, through the pages of Romans. And uh, it just reminded me of, of the fact that really it was so nasty and so, so thick in that brush and the cattle, we had to use dogs to even get to them and you could be 10 yards from them, not even see them because the undergrowth was so heavy and, and those dogs would help us locate those cattle because they, they're, they're not going to let you know they're there even if you're close to them. And uh, we finally got those cattle out of there, but this is going to be a passage of scripture like that today. It would have been easier for me to just say, let's go to Romans chapter 2 or 3. And we would just peer over the edge, if you will, and say, no, don't think I'm going to ride down through there. But we will have missed something very, very important in the Word of God. And so today we are going to, as a body, we're going to go into Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through the end of the chapter now, in Romans 16, we, we were excited because Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And then it goes on and says, for, a righteous, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God has been revealed to man. It's a righteousness by faith. And man, this gospel message is an amazing thing. And Paul shares that with us. And, and what an exciting Thing it is to think that Paul was writing to this church in Rome in first century, right there early, and, uh, and Paul was excited to share this gospel with them. And then he's going to go into now a new section here where now God is going to reveal the fact that his wrath is being revealed from heaven against un all ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. And so Paul is now moving uh, through here to give his own... Um, his own layout of the fact that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I want to read something to you this morning, a passage that really was at the end of my message, but I want to read it to you before I begin this morning to kind of lay this little bit of a framework out for you this morning before we ever begin. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I want you to get this and understand this today. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says this, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive, those who cheat, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul writes these words, Some of you were once like that but you were cleansed you were made holy you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God the amazing thing about the gospel is this that Jesus Christ died for sin once for all and that means all sin and then the news of the gospel message, the good news is this, that there is, there is no one outside the scope of God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness for those who repent and turn to him for their salvation. So as we enter into this passage of scripture, you've got to understand that there's no one outside the, the grace of God. There's no one outside his ability to forgive the sin, no matter how great it is, no matter how, how deep it is. 
And Paul says, listen, some of you were this at one time. That, that word is were. You're no longer that because you've come to Christ. And so as we, as we enter this passage of Scripture today, we need to understand that on the forefront, that, that we, as we go through here, are not pointing fingers at anybody. I don't want anyone here to say when they leave here that that preacher's doing nothing but pointing fingers at people that are living a lifestyle that disagrees with what he believes. It's not true. I'm going to share with you not my word this morning. I'm going to share with you God's word this morning. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God or gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lusts for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but they approve of those who practice them. As we've entered this passage of Scripture, I know today, living in our culture, there are lots of questions today. And I know that our young people, even our youth here today, or, um, or even you here, just each and every one of you, are somehow, some way, affected by the culture that we live in. Paul is writing now to the church at Rome. 
That's who Paul is writing to. And Rome was the world's superpower. It was the center of philosophical, educational, military might, and full of pagan religious worship, idolatry, sex worship, heterosexual and homosexual worship was rampant in Rome, very rampant. Today in our modern, progressive, tolerant society that has become morally unhinged, we believe we have somehow liberated ourselves unto new levels of social, political, and moral progress and intellectual greatness. We are reminded in one sense we have not come far in 2,000 years The writer of Ecclesiastes says this. In Ecclesiastes 1, verses 8 through 11, Solomon writes this, Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are never content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, he says, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. No doubt this morning we are going to be covering some controversial yet very important issues facing the church and our society. These are not new to the landscape of history, but are relatively new in our post-Christian society. We see in Genesis chapter 6, for example, that in Noah's day, the Lord God saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, and that every inclination of his thoughts were only evil at all time. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. But Noah walked with God. Noah preached for 120 years for people to repent. And that's the amazing grace of God. We know that God destroyed the earth with water. And he set a sign in the sky, a reminder of the promise that he would never again destroy the earth by flood. And he placed a rainbow in the sky. God confirmed his covenant with man with a rainbow. And every time you see it, we're reminded that God said... I will not destroy this earth again by flood. God's wrath was poured out on ungodliness and wickedness by giving them over unto their sin, number one, again and again, and then also by sending his wrath and judgment in the flood. There are really a handful of ways in which judgment is going to come from God. The first one is this. We know that a person receives judgment Uh, when God disciplines someone for whatever it may be. We also know that there is a coming judgment of God, that that he is coming, and he is coming as as ruler and king, and he's coming as judge. That's when he uh, comes again. And there will be a time of eternal uh, damnation and judgment for those who have rejected Christ and this gospel. But we also know that the judgment of God is currently happening in the lives and in in the societies of people who reject God. He simply, in his judgment towards mankind, gives them over into their own lust and sin. 
That is the judgment of God that we are receiving. We are not waiting for judgment in America. We are already receiving God's judgment in America. We have to understand that. We see again in Genesis 19 the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. These cities were vile, perverted, and depraved in their homosexual lusts. And God said that the outcry against these cities was so great and their sin so grievous that he would destroy it. But not if, by Abraham's request, if there were but yet ten righteous, God would spare the city. But there were not ten righteous. The nations from the time of Abraham and even the nation of Israel until now, the wrath of the judgment of God against the wickedness and rebellion of men has been both being revealed from heaven and they are also being given over to it and also the judgment of God in punishment of it. And yet there is coming a final judgment or wrath of God. So today we pick up in Paul's day in first century Roman power and rule. And we see how man is rebelling even then and how man will continue to rebel against God. During Paul's time, right up to our day, we see that this rebellion and this godlessness and wickedness is still happening and taking place. In the gospel is revealed a righteousness from God. Praise God for that. Amen? Amen. But also the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all wickedness and and, um, and evil that is happening in our day. So God is not revealing his righteousness right through this passage. What we're seeing is God revealing his wickedness, or not his wickedness, his, his wrath against wickedness. That's what's happening. And Paul, writing to those in Rome in the day in which they're living in, it was not any different than it is in our day. There's not really anything new that's under the sun today. These new things that we're coming out with that we think is new and profound, it's not new. It's been around since the beginning of time. And he says the wrath of God is is being pushed down because God is revealing something of himself to all humanity. The very fact that in God's creation alone, we learned this last week, that God reveals something of himself His invisible qualities are these. His eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen by what God has created so that men are without excuse. Every man that ever breathes a breath that has a chance to explore and see the creation of God knows something of God's nature and his power alone. All men are without excuse But what they do is they suppress the truth. They shove it down, the Bible says. They suppress the truth of God by their wickedness since what may be known about God is clear to them. They shove it down. And that's exactly what is happening in Paul's day all the way back to Noah's day and is continuing to happen even in our day. Every man has without exception seen the evidence with their own eyes, the proof through creation alone that God the Creator has revealed Himself plainly 
by what he has made. Each male and female stand without one word of defense against the knowledge of God through his creation alone. We talked a little bit about some of God's creation last week. We could spend actually weeks and weeks talking about the creation of God. It says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, they never gave Him praise, they never gave Him honor, and they didn't give thanks to God either. You know, we have rain. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Amen? We have life. We have blessings of marriage and family and, and good, all kinds of things in our life. But they never gave thanks to God. They never glorified God for these things. And it says, but their thinking became futile. In other words, it became perverted or foolish or morally wicked or adulterous. And what Paul is laying out here for those in Rome who are living in a very difficult time where homosexuality was rampant and heterosexual sin was rampant and even in the temple they had, they had sexual uh, worship going on there and Paul is writing to these people, the church that's the light of the world, the bride of Christ, the salt of the earth. He's writing to a small band of believers there and he's trying to share with them this whole thing about what's going on and he says simply these things are very important that you understand that. Anytime an individual, he says, or a nation or a people reject the glory of who God is, reject who God is, when they suppress the truth about God by his own creation, and they, they become foolish, and they, they make some exchanges here is what they do. They suppress the truth of God. They say his creation, whatever this may be, God didn't create this. This just happened from, let's go through some of the scientific hypotheses they have today. They're absolutely ridiculous. That's what they are. They teach it to your kids as truth. It's theory, and it's a hypothesis. In the beginning, God created God is the creator. Did you know man was created in the image of God? Do you know that you bear in, your, in yourself the image of God? Male and female, he created them. See, the interesting thing is when you take away the creator God, you are going to debase who you are. It's going to change. Because when you don't see yourself made in the image of God and all of a sudden you become the creator and you begin to worship things that are created, all of a sudden you devalue who you are and what you've been created to be. It's what happens. It says their thinking became futile, perverted, foolish, morally wicked. So they rejected God, Paul says. They reject God as the creator. And then they move on. And although they claim to be wise, Paul says, you got a lot of wise thinkers there in Rome. Just ask them, they'll tell you. We've got a lot of wise thinkers in our time. They tell us every single day. You say, John, why is this so pertinent and important today? Because I can't turn the news on any given day without it being unindated with sexual scandals every single day day look what's going on in washington look what's been going on in washington look at hollywood look at everything that's happening this has been going on for a long time but now it's being brought out it's just crazy what's going on in our world 
We've been told that these things are natural, that they're normal, that, that this is liberating, that all these things, would be tolerant for these things. Listen, we, we've, we've, we've expanded our knowledge on, on all of this stuff. No, this is not even new. It's been around for thousands of years. It's not. It's nothing new. Stuff we have going on today, the things that our youth are being taught, that, that is, that's normal, that, that this is the way you were made, this is the way that God formed you and created you, and he totally accepts this lifestyle. It's not biblical, it's not true, and it's not new. It's been around for thousands of years. It's not new, not at all. We're going to look at three things that have been exchanged that Paul shares with those in Rome. And then we're going to look at three judgments of God's wrath being revealed. And what we're going to see here is absolutely truth. And if you study history, you're going to find this to be absolutely true. All we're doing is we are repeating the cycle of history. When we were in Israel, I told you, we're looking at things that are 7,000 years old. We're here in our country. We're a little over a few hundred years old here. We're not doing anything new. But we don't think about history and the fact that we're just recreating history here. That's all we're doing. It's rebellion. It's all these things. It's rejecting the Creator. Uh, we can go through the history of America. Go back about 55, 60 years, and I can put you a mark where it all started happening. And it goes down from there. But it all goes back to the very first thing. Is God the Creator God? When you nix out who the Creator is, it all starts rolling downhill in a hurry. Every single time. So, the Bible says that they said they were wise, but they actually became fools. That's what they became. They became foolish. This means moron. We talked about this last week. It's where we get the word moron. It means to play the fool. The foolish moron is what Paul was saying. He said, oh, I know that those thinkers up there in Rome who are telling you all this stuff is, is what it is. But let me tell you something. Paul says they're foolish morons. Because they have rejected the one true living God. And when you reject God, you lose your standard and your foundation for everything. And then anything is possible. Anything is up for discussion. Oh, they discussed a lot of things in Rome. Lots of philosophy. Lots of discussion. So they became morons, and then it says, the first thing is in verse 23, that they exchanged, they exchanged now, the glory of the immortal God, look what they exchanged it for, images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. All of a sudden, when you reject the creator, who becomes the creator? We do. We become God. And now what's interesting, instead of man worshiping God, God now gives them over. We're going to see that. Man is going to start worshiping things that he makes, which is very interesting. 
unbelievable, but that's what happens. So they first exchange the glory of God, and now they go into idolatry. They begin to worship things that they make. They begin to worship rocks and, and, and obelisks and high places and, and fake and false gods, and, and they make up their gods, and they build them with their hands. They forge them in the fire. They set them up in their homes, and they bow down, and they worship, and they offer their children, and they do all kinds of things. It's what they do. It's idolatry. When you reject God, it moves to idolatry. And then look what God does. This is the judgment of God now on those who suppress the truth of God, exchange it for a lie, and they begin to worship other things that they build and make and create. Look at this. God, the first one, this is the judgment of God being revealed. God gives them over. That means to deliver or to abandon. God simply just pulls back and says, okay, you won't acknowledge me as God. You look at my creation and you know without any doubt in your mind. You give me any atheist out there and they know, they know, they know, they know that there is a God that created all things. Why? Because look at creation. You'd have to be a numbskull to not know that this just didn't happen from a cosmic belch. You can't make order out of chaos. It's impossible. It's impossible. You have to be a moron. I'm just being real with you. It's the truth. And this isn't popular stuff we talk about here today. A lot of people don't want to hear this stuff. That's the problem with the church. We don't want to preach the word of God. We don't want to go down into some thick brush and briars and some nasty stuff to get the word out of God and to know what it means. We want to hit the high country and the high spots and tell people what everything is so good and everything is so right. It's not. It's not that. So I know everybody's not going to like this today, but this is God's word. This ain't my word. Okay? This is the way it is. So they exchanged it. And God gives them over now. He abandons them. Listen to this. He gives them over, this is it, in the sinful desires of their hearts. That is where it begins, a twisted, moronic view of God and man. And then God gives them over. He gives them over. In verse 24, if you read this, you'll see what it says. God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. And this is the first thing that's going to happen. Sexual, immature, Im, sexual immorality. See, God designed sex in the confines of a monogamous marriage relationship. The problem is the church don't want to talk about these things. And shame on the church. Because our kids are getting it somewhere. If they're not getting it from you at home, they're getting it from somebody else. We need to teach them what the Word of God says about these things. So we have here, we, we have a twisted thing here that happens when you reject God he designed marriage man woman and sex within the confines of marriage God designed it as something beautiful something wonderful a gift that he gives to mankind it is beautiful in the confines of how God designed it and made it and gave it to man how he designed and fashioned man how he designed and fashioned woman and I'm not moving my hands he did everything. Why? When, when Adam saw Eve, he went, whoa, man. Right? He did. It's perfect how God made it. 
And there's something so much more here than this. Man was created in the image of God. And then God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And the Bible says that he put Adam in a deep sleep and took from his rib, not his rib, his side, and took a part of Adam, or half of Adam, if you will. It actually, rib can mean side or half. He took something from Adam, took it out of Adam, and he made and fashioned for himself, out of Adam, woman. Listen, there is a mystery here that I preach about in every wedding I do. It's a mystery that is profound. It is that a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Listen, you're going to miss this whole thing. When God took something out of Adam, he did, and pulled it out of Adam, Adam no longer had. He fashioned for himself a help meet And when Adam and Eve come together in one, they're complete and life happens and joy happens and complete wholeness happens when they come together. My wife has things that I don't have. Ask any woman. Men, we're numbskulls when it comes to maternal things. We just don't get it. Mamas are soft, not in a bad way, hold on. They're, they're, they're very, very loving in what they do. They're nurturing to their children. We're going, what's nurture mean? You know what I mean? Shut up, quit crying, you're going to be fine tomorrow. You know, that's what we do. It's not what women do. What's a man supposed to be? He is supposed to give his life for his wife, like Christ did for the church. We're not made the same way. Thank God we're not. Men are not like women, and women are not like men. Because God took something out of man, fashioned to help me in a woman, and when the two come back together in a loving, monogamous relationship, the unbelievable covenant that takes place within that moment and within what that is, they become one flesh, and it's how God designed it. But see, Satan, he doesn't want you to know about how you're created in God's image. He wants to twist what God has created to be so good. And the first thing that happens when you reject God and no longer have an appreciation or understanding for who God is and what I am in creation to God, then what happens is God gives me over. First thing to sinful impurity. It's the first thing that's going to happen, sexual immorality. So you have idolatry, moves right on into now. A sexual revolution happens in a society. It's what happens. So now something that was created to be so perfect, so beautiful, so wonderful that God has made, Satan says, okay, now that you don't understand any of what this is, and you love all these things, wickedness, God gives them over. He twists what God made so perfect and so beautiful. And now we have a sexual revolution within a society or within a person. And now it no longer means really anything anymore. Do you see what happens? This happened in Rome. It's going on in Rome. That's the first sign of a nation or a person who rejects God. God gives them over into sexual immorality. It's rampant. Rampant, rampant 
in Rome. Rampant. And Paul is writing to the church there. Listen to me, he says, church. This is, this is what's happened. This is what's going on. You need to understand that. Moving right along here. I will say this, that in this topic of heterosexual sin, it's a perversion of what God designed to be holy and perfect in monogamy in marriage. It's interesting that Adam and Eve never felt any guilt or any shame until after they ate the forbidden fruit. Satan said, oh, I'll tell you what, you're going to be like God. Look what happened from that point on. I have a family member who's single, and uh, they go and have attended and been a part of some very large churches in our country and joined the singles ministry. And so I've just, out of curiosity, what's that like? I said, you can't even imagine. It is so full of promiscuity and sexual impurity. You'd never believe it. See, the problem is we, we've let this all just not affect us anymore. Now it's just migrated itself to the church. It's like there's no big, that's not a big deal. Do you know that I have, even in recent times, counseled young couples who don't even know that it's a sin to have sex outside of marriage. And they're being honest. Hey, that's wrong? Well, come here, let me take you to the Word of God. And let, but let me show you why this is so damaging, why this is what it is. See, because our society, and in Rome's day, no big deal. It's a free-for-all. It's what it is. And then we degrade the gift of God and make it like it's worth nothing. It's like putting on a pair of socks and putting another pair on tomorrow. It don't mean a thing. And we think we call this love. You know what it is? Lust. That's all it is. See, because love does something entirely different. I know that I'm accountable to God. And the Bible says in 5.22 and 3 and 4 and 5 of Ephesians, that, I, that I'm supposed to present my wife to God as holy and, and without blemish and spotless before God. In fact, there shouldn't even be anything, the, the thought that I would do anything to lead my wife who will follow me into some sort of sin that would spot her, blemish her before God, that should not be. Or if there's anything in her life that I know that is not pleasing to God as a husband, what do you think Christ does for the church? I, should, I, couldn't even, I shouldn't even be able to stand that in my wife as if thinking, oh, honey, this, is, we can't, this can't be. And me as a husband, what a responsibility I have of leading my wife in holiness and in purity in the way of the, of the walk with Christ. Huge responsibility. That's what Christ does for us, though. So the degrading of our body, this is very important. Um, what our society calls liberating today God calls it degrading. Because the sexual impurity that he's talking about here says, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. We call it liberation. God calls it degrading. We degrade the value, the beauty, the, the, uh, the immense uh, quality of being created in the image of God. We, we, we devalue that to where it has no value whatsoever anymore that's what happens and then it says the next one in verse 25 they do another exchange 
It's just a continual downsurge. Paul says, listen, this is the next exchange he tells them in Rome. They exchanged the truth of God for what? A lie. For a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So they exchanged the truth of God and they bought a lie. How many of you know there's a lot of lying out there? There is. Think about this. And this is what it says here. He gives them over to the next thing. This is the second abandonment, if you will, or the giving over. He gives them over to shameful, that means vile, disgraceful, dishonorable lusts, depraved passion. This is what God gives them over next. When they, when they reject the truth of God for a lie, he gives them over to shameful lusts. And then he moves into this. And I know this is uncomfortable, but we need to hear this today. Paul says this, even their women, as if Paul's like, this is hard for me to believe, but even their women exchange natural relations for unnatural ones. This is a huge debate in our society today. And I'm not a scientist, and I'm not a physicist, and I'm not all those things. All I can tell you is what God's word says. God says there's unnatural and there's natural. God created something. Natural has the word nature in it. The way God made things to be. The natural way of things. Paul says God gave them over to shameful lusts. And what he said is even their women exchanged natural relations for women. That's unbelievable. But it's happened. Why? Because a woman is geared more towards the maternal side. She's not geared in certain ways or made in certain ways. Paul says, it, it even, he's even bringing out the most shocking here is that a woman will actually give up natural relations for a man for unnatural relations with a woman. That's lesbianism. And so that's not natural. And I know that our scientists would tell us in the studies they've done that people are created a certain way. I'm going to tell you something. Masculinity and femininity have nothing to do with how your body looks or how big of muscles you have, how much facial hair you can grow, because I can't grow a whole lot. It has nothing to do with that. God created and fashioned you for a way with a design, but what Satan does, listen, he perverts everything. He twists everything. And so what was natural for men and women in the confines of marriage and monogamy, Paul says, listen, if you look in Rome, you're going to see there's a lot of unnatural things happening there. That's not the way God designed them. That is not the way God created that to be. But I will say this. Social influence can have a major impact on those things. It can. So can other things, like abuse, like sexual abuse to kids. It does something to people's minds. There's a lot of things that go on. And I'm not here to point a finger at anyone. You hear what I'm saying? But I will tell them about the gospel of Christ. I do know that that, that, that lifestyle leads where? Destruction. I do know that for a fact. So this is what they did the degrading of their bodies with one another, they exchange the truth, so on and so forth. Women abandon natural relations for unnatural ones. This is in Paul's day. Remember, nothing new under the sun. 
I know for some of us in the last 50 years, this is a shocker, but it's been around for, for, for thousands and thousands of years. Then it moves on from here, and he says this. In the same way, men also abandoned their natural relations with women. There's a natural way, and then there's a way that God didn't design. It's unnatural. It's not the way it is. And then it says, and they were inflamed. They were inflamed with lust. They were inflamed with lust. That means to be set on fire. That means to be kindled, to burn. It's passions or lust. It was a twisting. It was a perversion of what God designed. Because when you reject God and God gives you over, there's sin. But then when you still won't acknowledge God and you reject God, guess what? That sin doesn't just stop here. You know what it does? It progresses. And as we're going to see, it keeps progressing. Look at our country for heaven's sake. We are rapidly progressing. That's what's happening. Because sin doesn't just hit a line and stop. You know, the only reason it ever stops is because there's an accounting to somebody. That's why God's commandments were so important, because God says, don't go here, right? When you remove those out, it's a free-for-all. So what used to be a bad thing in 1960, in 1990, is no longer a bad thing. It's acceptable. And then as we move along to where we are today, what God designed to be, what he made it to be in a monogamous marriage for a man and a woman to be married in our own country anymore. It, it's, it's almost like we can't believe this, but that's not even the way it is anymore. Move right along. You just keep shifting the anchor. You keep pulling the anchor. You keep getting further and further away from God. But listen, the depravity keeps getting worse and worse and worse. The only thing our society has not yet to accept it's, it's very sick. But we're headed there. Because it never stops at a point. It just keeps progressing. Now look what happens. Both those in Rome, you know, Paul might say, hey, I want to share with you what, what God's word has to say. And this is the Old Testament. I'm going to give this to you because there's those that would say, uh-uh, John, that's Old Testament. Don't bring that in here. Leviticus chapter 2018. Now listen to this. God to the nation of Israel. If a man lies with a woman as one lies with a woman, if a man lies with a man as one lies with a woman, both have done what is detestable. Abomination is what it says. They must be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. Now there's those today that would say that, hey, we can, we can live a Christian life and be in that type of lifestyle. But I'm telling you, you can't be. You, you can't go there. Same with heterosexual sin. Don't miss this. It's in the same camp as homosexual sin when it comes to those who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You can't live in a heterosexual sinful lifestyle and, and keep living for God. It can't happen. That's, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. Well, you say, those in Rome say, well, Paul, that's, that's Old Testament. Let's hear something out of the New Testament. Paul says, okay, how about what I wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. He says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Do you know one of the largest industries in our country is today? It's a pornography business. Huge. You can look up the stats on that if you'd like to. It's, it's really amazing. It's unbelievable how large that thing has become. It's, it's huge. Men committed indecent acts with other men. Listen. And received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Their perversion. Not normal, 
or, but a perversion. And Paul puts in here that they have received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly what that penalty is. But there are many things that we see today that come from that lifestyle that is terrible for the lives of those that are involved in it. All the STDs, HIV, we can go down the list. There's so many different things. Then it says this in 28. Here we go. Here's another one. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, I'm almost finished. God abandons them once more. He gives them over to a depraved mind. That means a castaway, rejected, reprobate mind. To do what ought not to be done. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but approve of those who practice them. They know that coming judgment against the wickedness of of what they're doing is real, but they just won't repent. They just keep on keeping on. So what are we supposed to do in our culture today? I would wager there's not one family in here that's not affected by either the homosexual lifestyle, heterosexual, whatever it is. We're all affected by that. So what are we supposed to do today? Let me tell you what we do today. First thing we do today is we have the word of God. We do not alter God's word just because a culture changes what it does as right or wrong. Okay, first of all, don't do that. Second thing is this. We have been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. The reason I said this was so important be because Paul lists these different things that we've just talked about in 1 Corinthians. But he says, and you were at one time just like one of these. Were is the key word. See, when you come to Christ and you, you recognize the wretchedness of your sin and your rebellion to God and God makes you aware of who he is and you repent, that means to turn from that life of sin and turn to God and you begin to go with God. You repent of that. Let me tell you something. Something happens. This is what happens. You will be cleansed. You will be made holy. You will be made righteous in the eyes of God. You will be counted as a son or daughter of the living God. You will be a new creation in Christ Jesus. So what do we do? We don't hate the sinner. You need to understand this. We don't hate the sinner, we hate the sin, but we love people. This is very important that we understand this. We have the gospel. It is is a righteousness from God that is revealed. That in this gospel, by faith in Christ Jesus, an individual can have a new birth. But listen, 
when someone makes a decision to follow Jesus Christ and they are contrite over their sin, broken over their sin, thanking God for his salvation, they leave the lifestyle. This is where we're wrecked in, in our churches. You watch the church in America, what's happening, and it's not done yet. Churches are changing their views and their beliefs, softening their own stance on these issues. Why? Because it's not popular. Do you hear what I'm saying? but we aren't doing those people any favor. We gotta tell them the truth of the word of God in love. So people say, well, I can continue because I have these feelings or whatever it may be. I can, I can live that lifestyle and be right with God. No, you can't, you can't. Whether it be heterosexual sin, homosexual sin, whatever it is. You can't be, because when you repent and turn, you leave that lifestyle. Why? Because it always leads to death. You really weren't contrite over your sin if you still want that. You've never been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit if that's the lifestyle you want. What the church is doing is saying this, listen, you all can be whatever you want to be. God loves you. Yes, God loves people. But God is revealing wrath from heaven against ungodliness and wickedness. And it's rampant in the church of God in America. So what are we supposed to do? I want our youth to know that it's not natural. I want you to hear that from your pastor. It's not natural. It's not, you, you, you don't, in, in public school today, listen. Listen. They're not even now, they're dropping the him and the her. When you address a child, you're not supposed to call him a, a, a him or a her now. You've got to drop the gender. My daughter, she's in nursing school. Do you know when they address a patient? They're not even allowed to address them as Mr. or Mrs., Sir or Ma'am now. Why? Because their orientation may be different than that. You all, that's, that's not really a laughing matter. That's a heartbreak. And our kids are being taught this. Listen. God created you in his image. He created you male and female. That's how he made you. His design is perfect. It is awesome. It is great. And listen to me. In, a, in an unhinged society, kids, that tell you everything is accessible and you just do whatever feels good, listen to me. From me to you as your pastor, it's not true. It's not true. You need to hear that. So what do we do? we got to know the Word of God so that I can lovingly go to a, a friend or someone I meet and say, this is what God's Word says. Now let's talk about this. Because there are many people that have lived in those lifestyles that have come to Christ and He's liberated them and set them free and they're a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is where we are today. I'm sure you would have rather had a different message and I would have rather preached a different one. But there's some amazing truth in the Word of God. And these address the issues of our day. They're very important. We just got to pray that God would help us to love people, hate their sin, but tell them about the one who paid a price that they don't have to pay when they come to Him by faith. Amen. I hope that made sense to y'all.
God will help you. I know that I fail in many areas on that, but I pray God helps you with that. Don't leave here saying this. My preacher, he's a hater. I'm not a hater. But I want you to know the truth. I want our teens to know the truth. And I want us to love people so that they might come to know who Jesus Christ is. I want us to tell them about the one who can change their life. Because I know and you know that lifestyle leads to death. Point blank. Let's pray. Oh, God. Well, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you would just use this message however you see fit. Lord, I thank you for your word. I know it ain't popular. But if I ever give in to popularity, may I be done. May I hang my saddle up and my spurs and my rope and never, ever, ever preach the word of God again if I don't preach the word. We're not angry today, God, but we are broken at heart. If we're really going to be honest before you, there may even be some people in here today that, God, you've revealed some things to them. God, I'm not the Holy Spirit. None of us are. I'm not here to point fingers to anyone or at anyone. I'm just here to direct them to you. As we live in a culture like Paul did that's just unhinged morally, may we realize, Lord, that you've called us to be salt and light in this world, to make a difference, to love people, to tell them about this amazing gospel, <laughs> that forgiveness is real, that the new birth is real, that the God of creation is real. And Lord, I thank you so much for your your amazing word. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.